Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Reality is, Christians spend millions of dollars every year buying gifts for other people, and they don't give anything extra, anything sacrificial, any type of monetary gift to the Lord. So if that makes any sense to you, if you'd like to, in presenting all your gifts as you do, whatever your tradition is, if you'd like to give something uh, to our Jesus box, our missions box, our birthday gift to the Lord, then that's part of our Christmas tradition here at Abundant Life. But what I want you to know is beyond all that, hear this, God is a giver. If you don't get anything else, get this. God is a giver. Christmas is about giving. I don't think it's as much about giving gifts to our kids that they don't need or to each other that we don't need as it is about what God has given to us. I wish more people could say amen. It, it, Christmas is about giving, and God is a giver. And that's why the title of the message, The Greatest Gift is Jesus. I am so thankful. No one has said it to me this year. This is the first year in the history of our church that I can remember. No one has come to me and asked me, could I help them out financially because they don't have any money to buy their children Christmas? And just even expressing it that way is wrong. You know, you can't buy Christmas. Uh, what they mean is buy some presents for their kids. I, I guess everybody who who had that boldness, has heard my speech already. I'll give you the same amount of money to spend on your kids for Christmas that I spent on mine. None. Uh, it's more than that. I'm not saying you're wrong. If you want to give your kids gifts, that's fine, as long as you have the money to do it. But the problem is, uh, I know that there are people who are saved that, charge Christmas gifts. And I am, I told you, I'm not against anybody's tradition. I am against charging Christmas gifts that you can't afford. Uh, I'm not saying using use a credit card for convenience and paying it off later that night, but char going into debt for gifts. Listen, here's, here's the sad thing that I see about Christmas every year. Kids go back to school. They, they talk to each other on social media and they want to know, what 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 what'd your what your parents get you for Christmas? And if that child's list isn't elaborate enough, they get shamed publicly on social. Oh man, that's all? My parents got me blah, 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 and blah, as if that's a real measure of love. I'm gonna tell you something. If you're a child and you think that your parents' love for you is predicated on the amount of money that they spend on you, you have a poor understanding of parental love for you. And if you're a parent and you think you can avoid your parental responsibilities all year long and buy a few cool trinkets at Christmas time and win your children's love and affection, then you misunderstand uh, how to love your child. It is about giving, but it's the biggest and the greatest gift is Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? 
in our text verse, John 3.16, the Bible says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. First thing I want you to see this morning, God gave his Son. I want you at some point in your life to stop and think about that. Because if you've been in Christ for any length of time, you ought to already know that Jesus did not come into existence 2,000 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem. The Bible says that Jesus predates Adam, that Jesus predates this planet, that Jesus and God were together. And when God said, let us make man in Adam, our image, who do you think he was talking to? He was talking, Jesus has always been around. Uh, and you got to understand that he, he, he didn't just happen to come to be, but it was 2,000 years ago when God sent his son into this earth to be born of a virgin. God gave his son to us. And I want you to get that. I want you to think how incredible it is that God gave his son. I was talking to a good friend of mine this week, and we, we were talking about Christmas, and he was just overwhelmed with some of the things we were sharing back and forth about how amazing it is that God loves us. Have you ever start, stopped and thought about that? He knows everything about us, and he loves us anyhow. If most people found out every bad thing you ever did, they'd look at you side-eye. And slide down two seats. But God loves us and he has done so much for us. I want it to blow your wig back that God would care enough about you to send Jesus to this earth for you. See, for thousands of years, the Hebrew people waited for the coming of the Messiah. They waited for God to send the Messiah into the earth, the prophet Isaiah had prophesied that he would be born of a virgin and he would come into the world to save God's people from their sin. God had promised a deliverer who would rescue God's people from their sin and their struggle. Listen to Isaiah 9, 6. The Bible says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Who gave that son? God did. It goes on to say the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I'm telling you, God is a giver, and Christmas ought to jog your mind, ought to make you think. You ought to think about it every day, but if it takes Christmas, whatever it takes, you ought to be thankful at some point in your life that God sent his son into this earth. There's just no way that you would have done it. You wouldn't have done it for me. Think what you want. Let me, let me just say, I won't even step in your shoes and try to say for you, listen, I wouldn't do it for you. Man, I, I tell you, I, I love God and I love God's people. And I've given my life to service to God and to the ministry of this church. And I've sacrificed everything that I, I've had to sacrifice. And I, I'm, I love to be generous and give stuff away. But if God came to me right now 
and said the only way for Ken Diane Huff to go to heaven is if I let a bunch of cruel, hateful human beings torture my son, strip him naked, beat him half to death, and nail his hands and feet to a cross until he choked to death on his own bodily fluid. They just have to die and go to hell. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you about me. And that's no hate on them. I love them. But I wouldn't let my son be sacrificed for them. The Bible says that, that some people would, listen, I would die for you. I, I would take that beating. I, I, would, I, would, I would go through a lot. I wouldn't take that crucifixion, but I'd go through a lot for Ken and Diane. But I wouldn't allow evil people to do that to my son. I want you to see how great a love God has for you, that he sent his son to this earth. He sent his son to this earth, and if you're saved, I want to tell you, there's going to come a day where God is going to set up his government and, and his rule is going to be fair and just. Listen, stop waiting on a president to do good. <laughs> Every day somebody, stop sending me videos. Every day somebody sends me a video of President Biden uh, stumbling over his words and talking backwards and forgetting what he was saying. I'm like, yeah, the man's old. I'm 58. I'm 20 years younger than him. I stumble over my words, forget what I'm saying. But stop waiting. People thought uh, Barack Obama was going to cure all the problems in the world for black people. Any black people in the world know there's still problems? Bunch of white Republicans thought 45 was going to cure the world for, for all white Republicans. There's still problems there, too. People thinking, oh, Joe Biden, he's a statesman. He's, he's polished and poised. Joe Biden can't half think through a whole sentence. He's too old. We need to put some age limits on this. Listen, just, just, just for some clarity. And, and, and listen, I'm on Ken today and I love him. But Joe Biden's older than Ken. And you know he's shot out. Because during the campaign, he challenged Donald Trump to a fist fight. Now, Donald Trump can't beat nobody up either, but a 78-year-old man think they can start throwing hands? That's, anyway, I ain't mad at Joe Biden. I'm just trying to tell you, no president, no politician, everybody's thinking, oh, who are we going to run in 2022? Who are we going to run in 2024? Oh, so, listen, none of these people are going to solve all our problems. But there's coming a day when God's government is going to be set up and somebody's going to rule with fairness and justice finally. And the passionate commitment of the Lord is going to make it happen. And I want you, if you're a blood-bought child of God, I want you to be thankful that God is a giver. I want you to be thankful that God sent his son. Nobody else would have came up with that plan. If it was my planet and, and you wronged me and you had to make, make something up to me to, to bridge that gap between your sin and my forgiveness, uh, I, I wouldn't come up with torture my son. Torture you, maybe. But, but the, you, you got to be thankful that God, what, that when I hear people now say, could you help me buy some Christmas? I started telling them, God's the only one that bought Christmas. And he bought Christmas with Jesus. And I'm so glad that God gave his son to, 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 to come into this world. I told you God's a giver. I want you to hear this. Jesus is a giver too. Jesus gave his life so that everyone who believes in him could be saved and have eternal life. 
This is the plan of Christianity. Now, some people have been in church their whole life, and they don't really know what Christianity is all about. They don't really understand how all this stuff works together. Well, I want you to get it this morning. Listen to our, our second verse in our text. John three seventeen says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is where a lot of people miss the point. Christianity isn't just about judgment and condemnation, although there will be judgment and there will be condemnation. But Christianity isn't about just that. It's also about salvation and forgiveness. God's, God's word says Jesus didn't come here to condemn us. He came here to save us. Jesus gave his life so we can be saved. I've said this thousands of times in my life. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to hope you get it today. Because Jesus loved you enough to die for you, you ought to love him enough to live for him. Amen. I I just can't, I, I can't get with these people who make these bold claims about how much, oh, Pastor Scott, I love the Lord. So you don't even live for him. Oh, no, I, I, I die for the Lord. The Lord's my everything. I, I, would, I would give my life. Dying is easy. The kind of dying you're thinking about is easy. Um, it, it takes less, less than three minutes to drain your blood out. Um, it takes less than five minutes holding you underwater to drown you out. It, it, it takes one, one, one good shot to the chest or, or to the head just to take you out. That happens in a blink. But the type dying, if you want to die for God, die for God the way he commanded us to. In the Bible, be a living sacrifice continually every day. Put your life on the altar and say, I give up anything for you today, God, that you want. What what I'm really talking about is live your life for this man who loved you enough to die for you. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Now, I want to do a little teaching right now. And I want you to follow along with me because I can't teach people who won't engage with with their thought process. God showed how much he loved us by doing what? By sending his son into the world so, so that what could happen? So that we might have what? Through who? God sent Jesus to this earth because we were desperately lost and undone. The Bible says that our sin has separated us from God, and God made this determination from the very beginning, and the Bible tells us that God cannot change. He said without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden the first time, did what God told them not to do. The Bible says that they were naked and God took the coats of animals and clothed them with it. You cannot get skin off animals without shedding some blood. And every time there has ever been sin, God said there has to be a blood sacrifice. This is not the system I would have set up, but it's the system God set up. And you need to understand the Christian system of sacrifice. God said somebody has to pay for that sin. The Bible says the payment of sin is death. The payment of sin is separation from God. The scripture tells us that our sin has separated us from God. Well, the only way 
to get back to God, there had to be a blood sacrifice. And Jesus came. The Bible says the payment of sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. And here's the simple truth of the matter. If you want to be a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day so that you could be saved. Everybody, I've told you this, everybody believes in Jesus. But everybody doesn't believe that he lived a perfect life. He died as our blood sacrifice because somebody had to pay the penalty of sin. And if you believe in that, then you can be saved. Verse 10 in 1 John 4 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I want you to try to get it. I'm going to give you a simple illustration. I'm going to get out of here. It, it, we owed a debt. All humans. The Bible says, wherefore, as one man sinned, death entered into the world. And it passed upon all men because all men have sinned. That's men, women, children, boys, girls, humans. All humans have sinned, and that separated us from God. So we owe God a sacrifice. And you can either pay that yourself, or you can accept the payment that Jesus made. It'd be like this. If your light bill was due, and I went down and paid it for you, and then you came in there and said, I want to pay my light bill. And they're like, oh, it looks like somebody else paid it. You mean somebody paid it. That's my light bill. I pay my own bills. And I'm like, well, it looked like uh, uh, Scott Becker paid it yesterday in full. No, 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 no. Refund that man his money. I'm paying my own bill. You can do that. You can pay your own way. But wouldn't it be smarter to accept the payment that someone else made for you? Yeah. you, you somebody's going to have to pay for your sin. If you're here and you're breathing, you ought to know that you've committed a sin in your lifetime. And the Bible says the payment for that is death, and you can either die for your sin in hell forever, or you can accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. I said God's a giver. I told you that Jesus is a giver. Listen, number three, Jesus gave his life for us to take away our sins. You don't have to live with that shame of your sins. Some, of, some people are trying so hard to keep hidden their sin, they're trying so hard to, to keep doing their dirt where nobody knows about it. Let me, I just want you to hear this for sure today. Jesus can take that away from you, and you can be free from all that. Sin has guilt. Sin has consequences. Sin has stain. Sin has shame. But God gave, uh, Jesus gave his life for us to take away our sins. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 1.21 prophesying about the birth of Christ and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins I want to ask you a question this morning do you believe that Jesus has saved you from your sins if you don't have full recognition of that if you don't understand that if that doesn't make sense to you then you still owe for your sins today and somebody's gonna have to pay one line I've told my kids for years and years and years, and they should have known when the guy said it that dad's going to pause it and, and give us a speech about this. There, there, there was a, a line in a Marvel movie. Uh, I, hopefully, Elder Keon will remember this. Uh, is in it, did you, you saw Doctor Strange? The dude that was training Doctor Strange in there, the helper that was training him, he didn't like Doctor Strange always trying to take shortcuts. 
And he told Dr. Strange, he said, the bill comes due. And I don't want to tell you this. The bill comes due. The bill comes due. You're slipping and sliding. You're ducking and dodging. You're trying to fool people about what you got going on in your life. Listen, you can fool the preacher about salvation. You can fool your mom and daddy. You can fool your friends. But you can't fool God. And the bill comes due. And, and you're either in one or two places right now. You're either in a deficit because you owe for your sins or, or you're in rejoicing knowing that uh, my, my sin debt has been paid up. I'm prayed up and I'm ready to go up. If God has paid your debt, you ought to have some gratitude in your heart. If you're aware that, uh, hey, listen, I love what one person said. He paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. You, 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 you'll never be finished paying for your sin debt if you have to pay for it yourself. That's why the Bible says that the lake of fire is the second death, and it's continual. People who wind up in hell will be dying forever. There's no reason to do that. So, so many people know that they need to get really saved, but they just keep coming to church and hoping people will accept them and believe that they're saved. Stop trying to fool other people and really embrace the payment that Jesus has made for you. And then you can say, man, I'm glad I don't have to duck and dodge and hide anymore because he say I'm his people. Man, I don't know if it touches you at all, but I'm just glad to be his people. I'm just glad to be his people. Y'all have heard me say it so many times. I love that song when the saints go marching in and, and when that singer says, oh, I just want to be in that. I'm so glad I'm in that number. I hope you're in the number of people that God is going to let into heaven. I hope that you've accepted the payment that Jesus has made for your sin because you need to understand Christmas is about giving, but it's about what God gave and about what Jesus gave, not about buying a, a, a new trinket for somebody. And I hope that you are His people. 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of the greatest verses in all of Christian Bible says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God made Jesus. To be sin for us. The Bible says that when Jesus hung on the cross, he took the weight of all sin from all humanity. Now, I would never want you to get your theology from songs or nursery rhymes or fairy tales. But sometimes there are some songs that are based on good theology. And I am certain of this. When that song says when he was on the cross that day. I was on his mind, I promise you. When he was on the cross that day, Scott Becker was on his mind. Because the Bible says that there was a very significant moment, if you read the gospel accounts of the crucifixion and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you will see there was a very specific moment when the whole earth went dark. And it was at that moment that God place the sin of every human being physically he bore our sins in his body put the sin of scott becker on i promise you i was on his mind on that cross and so were you but do you love him for it 
Have you accepted his payment for sin because of it? The, when, when, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the only time, the first time and the only time in all of eternity that God looked away from his son and the entire world went black. Because at that moment, when all of my sin and all of your sin was placed on Jesus Christ, he made him who knew no sin, listen, to be sin for us. This is the greatest trade that ever happened. Some of y'all like to barter. Some of y'all like to trade. I want you to recognize the greatest trade that ever happened. If you accepted Jesus, if you've ever become a Christian, you have participated in the greatest trade that ever happened because you gave God all of who you are, which ain't a lot, to get all of who Jesus is, which is everything. This is Christianity. This is the truth of what we believe, that because of our sin, we needed someone to pay our sin debt. God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to come and pay our debt. Jesus loved us so much. Because remember what Jesus said. At any point in time, he could call 10,000, thousands, and thousands of angels to come and just wipe out the whole world. He wouldn't even need the angels. He was just saying that for people's understanding. He could have just spoken a word and been right back up in heaven with no blood and no hurt on him. When I read the gospel story about the beating they put on Jesus, when I read the gospel story about the way they spat on him and badmouthed him and rejected him, it hurts my heart. And if you are cold on the cross, I don't even know how you can be saved. But I want to tell you something. God went through a whole lot so that you could be saved. And the biggest part of it was when he put our sin on his perfect son. Oh, I, I want you to remember how you used to look at your kids before you started being mad at them. I want you to remember how you looked at your kids when they were sweet and innocent. And when you, you just thought they were so perfect and they were so beautiful. You would have never put in the worst of filth in the world on your child, but God did that to his son. He rejected his own son because someone had to pay for sin. God's justice, God's demand for justice cried out that sin must be paid for. And Jesus came and became the payment for our sin. I told you I wouldn't make it that way. That wouldn't be my system. But that's the system that Christianity presents. You pay for your own sin or you believe the Bible account that Jesus died for your sins. If you got questions about it, don't, don't worry about all the particular questions. But if you can find a way inside of you to say, I just really believe it. I just really believe there was a real Jesus. I believe Jesus was sent from God. I believe Jesus is the greatest gift. I believe he knew about me on the cross that day. And he paid for my sins. And he suffered and he bled and died for me. And because I believe in that, God's going to let me go to heaven. That's what eternal life is all about. If you haven't come that way, you haven't come at all. Fourth point this morning, Jesus gave us a living example of what God is like. Oh, Christian, Christmas is about giving. 
Jesus gave us a living example of what God is like. Remember what the disciples said? Show us the Father. Jesus was always promoting the Father. Jesus was always declaring the Father. Jesus was always teaching them about the Father. And they said, come on, man, show us the Father. And that will satisfy us. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I want to tell you something. I don't understand how all of it works together because our minds aren't big enough to grasp it all. The Bible says that his ways are beyond our ways. But I believe in my whole heart that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. I believe that all of God dwelled in Jesus, that Jesus was God in the flesh, come to this earth. I believe that the Jesus that they said was a carpenter was God in all eternity and he existed before anything was created. And he was, is, and always will be supreme over all creation. This is the Jesus I believe in. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus gave the people who lived in that day and age, a visible representation of what God looks like. If you want to see what God looks like, look at the life of Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I hope that you've received this gift of Jesus Christ. I hope that you at this Christmas time have truly understood that, yes, Christmas is about giving. It's about what God gave. It's about what Jesus gave. And it's, answer, it's, it's found its proof in you answering the question, what have you given to God? God doesn't want just your obedience. God doesn't want just you coming to church. God doesn't want just your money in an offering plate. God doesn't want just you singing sweet songs to him. God wants you to believe in him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants you to love him, and he wants you to trust that his book is real and it is true. I, I wonder if you understand the real giving behind Christmas. I told you Jesus came because God sent him. Let me ask you this. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? I wish you could slow life down. I've had, I've had so much physical pain in the last 11 years. I've spent more time in my bedroom alone, unable to leave the house. I've been in chronic pain for so long, but it's given me a lot of time to weep before the Lord and thank Him for loving me. God has blessed our church and allowed us to be a New Testament church where people have come along and allowed me to do what God said that the apostles ought to do, which is to give themselves to prayer and the study of the Word of God. And as I spend so much time alone in this book, talking to God, I wish you could just slow your life down a minute and just really get deep in thought about how much He really loves you.
I wish you could get deep in thought about the reality of all of this teaching that because you've sinned, somebody has to pay for it. And God looked at you and needed payment, and Jesus said, I'll pay it. Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Are you grateful? Do you ever just really sit there? I'm going to tell you, if, if you don't, listen. If you've never thought about the cross so much that you've cried, start thinking about it more. If you've never done what the Bible says, which is to be still on your own bed and commune with God, meditate on God, I want you to start getting alone, slow your life down, drive the noise out, and I want you to, in the quietness of a still place, to consider how great God's love for you is, that he would do all this. I was so blown away 20-plus years ago when Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, came out. I remember opening day. It was on a Wednesday. It was preview day. And I went and saw it because I thought, well, I'm going to check this out to see if it's worth recommending to anybody because people were asking me questions about it. And Channel 4, now this was, this was way back in 2001, I think, 2001, 2002, somewhere in that time frame, uh, back, back when people used to actually watch local news. And Channel 4 was at the Orange Park Mall putting mics in people's faces. And people were crying. And I watched the news that night, and people were sobbing. I never knew. I never knew. I didn't know he did that for me. I'm going to love him better. And I'm thinking, what kind of Bible have you been reading? Nobody ever told you he suffered and bled and died? Nobody ever told you that he bore your sin in his body, that he took a beating for us? Nobody ever told you what he went through? Maybe you haven't thought about it lately. But if, you don't, if you're not grateful for it to the point where it moves you in your emotions, you need to spend more time thinking about it. Because nobody else would have ever done it for you. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody could have done it for you. Because the Bible said that the only person who would be a just, acceptable sacrifice was a perfect person. Jesus is the only approved sacrifice for sin. The Bible says because God set up this blood offering all through the Old Testament, they, they sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats and doves and sheep. But the Bible says that at some point, God said, that's enough of that. I want a one-time perfect sacrifice for sin for all time. And so he sent his one perfect son to do all this. Jesus came because God sent him. You ought to be thankful to the God who would do that for you. I told you Jesus came so everyone who believes in him could be saved and have eternal life. I want you to think about it this morning, not just in a church way, but in a real way to you. Are you sure you're saved? Are you really sure that you're saved? I'm not talking about have you... Have you added some churchiness to your life. I'm talking about has there ever really been a time where you stopped being who you were and you became a whole new person? Because that's the only thing that real salvation is about. The Bible talks about going from death to life. The Bible talks about uh, comparing it to being blind to getting sight. And if you've never had that 
salvation experience, you need to give your life to Christ. I told you Jesus came to take away our sins and bear our sins in his own body. Let me ask you this. Do you believe he's taken away your sins? Do you believe that your sins are paid for? Do you understand this justice demand for payment for sin? This is what real Christianity is. And I don't want you just to go through life just thinking it's just church and sitting through some singing and some preaching and going on about your business. God did not send his son to the sin-sick world for him to be beaten on, spat on, rejected, mocked, and abandoned, stripped naked and hung on a cross and die, bleeding out, choking on his own bodily fluids. God didn't put Jesus through all that. God didn't send the best that he had so that we could just think about God one or two times a month when we go to church. God didn't put Jesus through all that so we could just have church services on Sunday and Wednesday. God put Jesus through all that so you could have an intimate, personal, dynamic relationship with the living God. And so you could know him every day. And so you could say, like the hymn writer said, he, he walks with me and he talks with me. If you can't feel the tangible presence of God in your life, if, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know him and he knows you, and when you talk to him, he hears you, then I want you to understand all you have is religion and church and some, some, some thoughts about God, but you haven't experienced real salvation because when you get real salvation, I promise you, it will be so different. You'll know that you know that you know. I know when I got saved because God made me a new person. I told you Jesus came to show us what God is like. Have you learned what God is like through studying the words of his son. If someone were to ask you, tell me everything you know about God. I hope you could tell them some stuff. It blows me away that church people say they love God more than they love anything else. But they know the words to more secular songs than they know to gospel songs. It blows me away that people say that God is their number one and they love God more than anything, but they've read other books, but they've never read all of this book. I don't want you to miss heaven. I want you to have a good Christmas. I want it to be a great year for you. I want you to celebrate in your own tradition. But I just believe what the Bible says. What would it profit you if you gained the whole world and lose your own soul? Don't, don't let that be your story. Don't let that be your story. I preached a message one time about the scariest passage in all of the Bible. and It's found in Matthew chapter 7. As Jesus talks about the judgment day. And he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. In your name I cast out devils and did many wonderful works. And Jesus said, then I will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. We never had an intimate relationship. There was never that joining together. I don't want you to stand at the judgment seat and say, but I went to Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. But I was in the children's skit. 
I sang in a choir. I helped out in the food and class. I don't want you to list what you've done when you get to heaven. D. James Kennedy, the great pastor of the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in South Florida, put together an evangelistic strategy called Evangelism Explosion. And it was based around this one question. And he taught the entire world to go out and ask people this one question. And in closing, I want to ask it to you today. If you stood before God right now, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? What would you tell him? If you start naming off stuff that you've done, you haven't understood how to be saved. The only way we can get to heaven is through Jesus. Last verse. I'm going to give you John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Listen, I feel bad for God's people, the Hebrews, that have not accepted Jesus as their Savior because hell will be their portion forever. I feel bad for good people who live good lives but haven't come to the Father through Jesus because hell will be their portion. I feel bad for people who go to churches, false doctrine churches, cults, serving a false God, Islam, Hindu. They're disciplined, they're dedicated, but they didn't come to the Father through Jesus. I don't have all of them here to talk to today, but I've got you. So I want to ask you this question for real. For real, for real. Have you come to God through Jesus? Do you know that you know for sure that your sin is paid? If it is, you ought to be more thankful. You ought to be more grateful. It ought not to be too much. To show up to church and read his Bible and to serve him. If you compare what he's done for us, there's nothing we could do for him to compare. And I want you to get it when I say it. If he never does anything for me ever again in my life, he did more for me at Calvary than I could ever deserve. And I am so thankful that God sent his son. Jesus is the greatest gift. We're going to do something today. We're not going to take long. But we're, 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 going to, we're going to have a time where you can pray. I want us, everybody in this room, I want us to give a gift to God today. If you're here and you're not sure you're saved, I want Elder Keon to come down front. I want you to come, and I want you to pray with Elder Keon that God would save you today. This man loves the Lord. He's anointed for ministry. God has called him as an elder in this church. And if you're here and you're not sure that you're saved, I want you to come. And I just want you to let him pray with you. And I want you to give your life to God today. Some of you 
have tried to get saved 3, 4, 20, 30, 50 times and you still know it's not right with your soul. Talking to a friend on the phone this week, preacher friend of mine. He says, Scott, how many times can you pray with somebody to get saved when you've already prayed with them 10 times in the past? And I told him, as many times as it takes, just keep letting them come, preacher. Because when they get it, they'll have it forever. And if you're not settled in your heart about your salvation, I don't care how many times you pray to receive Christ, if you're not settled in your heart that you're saved for real, I want you to come today. I said it's time for us to give something to God. If you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, I want you to give your heart to God today in real salvation. If you're here and you are saved, if you're here and you know that you're a child of God, I want you to give just a few minutes of your time to tell him that you love him. I'm not even going to ask you to stand up because I don't want you to be burdened about standing. But what I am going to do is I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite everybody in this room to spend two or three minutes giving something to God. If you're not saved, come forward and get saved. If you're here and you are saved, I want you to spend a few minutes telling God that you love him. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for your word that tells us the only way we can come to you is through Jesus. God, I pray that today you would draw people to you. Lord, I pray for every person in this room who's not truly born again. God, I pray that even right now you would let them know that they need to come and get saved for real. God, I pray that you would quicken their heart. I pray that you would tug on their strings of their heart, God, and let them know that today you will save them for real if they would just commit to you. God, I thank you for being a giver for us. Thank you for giving Jesus to us. And we dedicate this time to you now as our gift to you in Jesus' name. Whatever God lays on your heart to do, while Christians all around this room are praying, I want you to spend this time telling God that you love him. And if you're here and you want to get saved for real and you're ready to become all that God wants you to be, I want you to come and let this man of God pray with you. Whatever God lays on your heart, you do what God tells you to do. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Don't worry about who's watching. You just take this time and do what God lays on your heart to do. God is waiting for you. God has made this time for you. Some of you want to come right now, but you're scared. You're holding back. Don't let anything hold you back. God wants to give you the gift of eternal life. If you'll take one step toward him today, he will meet you in this place. And he'll change you forever. Don't let this time pass you by. Christians, tell God you love him. Let him know. If you don't know him enough to tell him,
Come and meet him today. Get this introduction to real salvation. one has come and God's asking will you come will you come doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter how long you've been in church if you feel like you want to get saved today there's room at the cross for you if you want to accept the gift of salvation today God offers it to you freely. Don't let this time pass you by. Some of you have been knowing for a while you need to get right with God. Take advantage of this time. The Spirit of God is moving in this place, and God is able to save you. God is able to heal you. God is able to deliver you and make you new. Pray with me. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, we thank you for sending your son to die for us. And I ask you, God, fill us with your spirit. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in us. Let us be all that you called us to be. We love you and we choose your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.